Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Amuna. As always, we express our uh, great gratitude to our sponsors on the series for the year, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, and in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Tremendous gratitude. Also, those who have not yet signed up, please sign up for our one and one campaign in the merit of Esti Moskowitz, our beloved little Esti Moskowitz, wishing her a speedy refuah among all those who are ill. A dollar a day of giving and a minute a day of learning. It's as simple as that. You could uh, act in the merit and give her a complete please God or Fuashlema. All it takes is one and one. One dollar a day of giving and one minute a day of learning. You could uh, join at brsonline.org slash the number one, A-N-D, one, one and one, brsonline.org slash one and one. The dollar a day is through daily giving, partnering with Dr. Donath of, great, of uh, Daily Giving. BRS are not recipients of this money. It's not a ploy for us to raise money from you, but rather it is a platform for all of us to be able to give a dollar a day to a diverse uh, group of uh, stuckers, really beautiful, worthwhile charities. A dollar a day of giving, and join a WhatsApp group. That's 60 seconds a day of learning. All of us have one dollar a day, all of us have one minute a day. It can be in her merit and the merit of others. So please go and bear us online.org slash one and one. Okay, back to Simcha. We've been talking about happiness. Happiness is the foundation for life, a meaningful life, a rich life, a happy life. Uh, happiness is the driver. It gives us the serenity and the peace. It gives us the space and the peace of mind to be able to be our, be our best selves. If we don't have a Simcha Zachayim, we don't have a joy for life. If we're not happy, what else do we have? So I want to share with you, I love to share the emails that come in. Please keep sending them. If you have a great Amunah story, if a story about happiness, how it changed your life, please let me know. So Amunah writes, Hi Rabbi Goldberg, hope all is well, thank you for your shiurim. Blah, 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 blah. I know uh, Rebbe likes Amunah stories, I thought I'd share one. Last year when I was graduating, I had a very hard time finding a job because of the pandemic. Company after company was rejecting me, even small companies and jobs that I thought I was qualified for. I was rejected by over 150 jobs. Wow. can imagine, that's a lot of jobs to be rejected by. That is a lot of rejection. One could feel very dejected. He writes, one day I noticed on LinkedIn that the MBA was looking for an accounting intern. I thought, why would the MBA hire me when all these other places rejected me? But what do I have to lose? Lo and behold, I got the job. That shows me the keys of Parnassah are in Hashem's hands. This job gives me a big name on my resume, enough flexibility. I could get a master's, study the CPA. I got one of those other jobs. I wouldn't have been able to do all this. Looking back, Hashem really set me up in a position of success. In that moment, it was hard to see why things were going poorly. But looking back, I see the bigger picture and why I didn't receive any of those earlier jobs. Really, uh, really amazing story. So he has the benefit, person who signs it, who did not give me permission to use his name, but he has the benefit of being able to look back and make sense of it. We don't always have that. Sometimes we were rejected 150 times, 150 jobs, 150 girls or guys, 150 attempts at whatever breakthrough we're trying to achieve. And sometimes uh, we don't see later on why it needed to happen, but often we do. Your antenna has to be extended. He could have just gotten the job and said, oh, great, Baruch Hashem, I have a job, let's go. He chose to pause and look back and say, now I understand why I didn't get those other jobs. Those other jobs would not have afforded me the opportunity I have now with this job. So uh, just a great Amunah story. It reminds us and gives us that faith to live our lives. Shem is in charge. He's in control. He holds the keys. Let go and let God get out of the way and let him do his thing. And everything that happens for us is for a reason. I think we talked about last week, Thomas Edison, he didn't fail once. He invented the light bulb. It was just a process that had a lot of steps to it. But he never failed once. So he got a job.
And he wasn't rejected once. It was just a search that took 150 steps to be able to get the job that was meant for him. That was number one. Number two, before we dive back into Bayam Derachecha, I want to share with you, um, I get an email with interesting facts. If you're a rabbi, you're always looking for drusha material. So any email which can come into your inbox, which has the gift of drusha material, you gratefully have, and I will not tell you what it's called because I don't want any of you to get it. But anyway, it had the following. It had the following fascinating insight, and I thought, how perfect. You know, we've spoken a lot about happiness is not an emotion, happiness is a decision. We've spoken a lot about that. In Yiddishkeit, that's what we believe. Simcha, sam moach, sham moach, where you put your brain, where you put your thoughts, where you put your mind, that's what determines your happiness. If you focus on what you have, not what's missing. If you focus on the good, not the bad. If you focus on the pleasure, not the pain. It's all a question of what we're looking at, what we choose to focus on. We are the arbiters of our simcha, of our joy, of our happiness. Happiness is not an emotion. It is a decision that we make. Again, we're not talking about people with clinical depression or unhappiness or anxiety. That is not a decision. That is something that needs support. And we're not talking about a person who's mourning or grieving, who just experienced loss. The someone sitting shiva should not choose to focus on what they should be happy about. We're not focused on that either. We've spoken at length about it. We're talking about the average person on the average day. When you wake up in the morning, do you think about what hurts? Do you let out a krechts and a groan and a moan about what's missing? Or do you think about what works and what feels great? And do you feel a sense of simcha? It is a decision. It is not an emotion. We've also spoken about the micro muscles in our face that those micro muscles are connected to the chemicals that our brain releases and impacts our feeling. Remember we talked about a while ago, I gave you all the homework, I guess everybody stopped doing it, which was to smile, wake up every day and smile. Because it turns out it's not that when you're happy you smile, but when you smile you're happy. So this article says we have to fear and worry and be careful about the opposite. It turns out, it turns out that you may want to wear sunglasses if you want to be happy. Why do you need to wear sunglasses to be happy? I don't get any cut in the Ray-Bans. I'm not a uh, stakeholder or a shareholder. I'm not looking to make money off of the sunglasses. But why do sunglasses make you happy? So listen to this, very interesting. Um, being frustrated grumpy is part of life and hopefully a temporary and short-lived aspect of our existence. But we've all been there. And when we are, it's often an emotion that others can see just by looking at the frown on our faces. We purse our lips, scrunch our foreheads, furrow our eyebrows, and as a result, narrow our eyes. It's a pretty basic example of cause and effect. Being upset causes us to make that face. Or in other words, our face is reacting to our emotions, which is a very Jewish Torah idea. How do you say face in Hebrew? How do you say what's happening inside? Panim. Your panim reveals your panim. Your face reveals what's happening inside. You wear it on your face. You wear it on your sleeve. Your panim reveals your panim. When we look towards the sun on a bright sunny day, our faces tend to do the same thing. We squint our eyes to limit the amount of sunlight that we're taking in, in part so that we can see where we're going. That causes us to raise our cheeks and drop our eyebrows, which in turn leads to scrunched foreheads and pursed lips. We're not unhappy, we're just trying to keep the sun out of our eyes. But it might not matter, we are effectively frowning. According to a 2014 study, that's enough to make us grumpy. Research surveyed 137 females aged 18 to 40, 145 males 18 to 39 who were hanging out at the beach. The groups were split between those wearing sunglasses and those not. Some walked with the sun behind and others with it in front. Participants were asked to take a brief survey about their emotional state without being told why. And the results were hardly sunny. Those against the sun reported more aggressiveness than those wearing sunglasses or those with the sun behind. And this happened despite the majority of participants reported being unaffected by the sunlight. The authors concluded 
Self-reported aggressiveness bore direct relation to the extent of their irritation from the sun in their eyes. What's happening? It seems like our brains are reverse cause and effect. When we're upset, we frown. But when we have to deflect the glare of the sun, we also frown, and our brain assumes that frown is because we're upset. And if our brain says we're upset, it's the boss. We get grumpy. As Smithsonian notes, that shouldn't be surprising. The idea that your facial expression can secretly change your mood isn't new. Previous studies have suggested that even things like Botox can make you feel happier because you're being forced to smile all the time. <laughs> that is not a justification. It's not an argument. And the idea that frowning is related to the sun isn't new either. Charles Darwin noticed the way that frowning helped to shade the eyes. Car, uh, whatever. So if you want to keep the grumps away, there's an easy way. Put on some sunglasses, shield your eyes from the sun, keeping your forehead relaxed, and your mood just where it needs to be. I read that, I thought it was very interesting. That if you're looking at the sun makes you frown, and then that makes you feel down, then the opposite is also true. When you force yourself to smile, it releases the endorphins and the chemicals that make you feel happy. So I am giving that homework assignment again. We're bringing it back, which is to start the day and throughout the day, put a reminder on your phone if you have to, set the alarm to remind you to smile for no reason. Now, if you're at a funeral, first of all, turn the alarm off, but also don't start smiling randomly in the middle of the funeral. But, you know, in, in the appropriate place and at the appropriate time, smile, smile. Don't wait to be happy to smile. Smile and you will be happy. And when you're happy, the whole world smiles with you. So we've been learning all about the source of happiness when we are incomplete and lacking and missing, what makes us feel whole is by attaching ourselves to the one who's the most whole, which is the Ribono Shalom, which is Hashem. By, by linking into him, by riding his coattails, so to say, by connecting or riding the Hashem wave of the world, then we're able to feel whole and complete and happy no matter what's happening because we know he's in charge and he's in control. When we submit and when we surrender, then we are not depleted or robbed of our happiness because we realize whatever happens is the way it's meant to be. <coughs> whatever happens, it's the way it's meant to be. This is it. It's possible I was in bed the other night when one of my children called me because they had hit a curb, a piece of the car had fallen down and they couldn't drive and I had to get out of bed and go meet them and help them. And I reminded myself the whole way there in the middle of the night. Why were they out and about? That's an excellent question. But I reminded myself the whole way there. So it's meant to be. Hashem wanted the bumper to be hanging off and he wanted you to have to go home and get a screwdriver and come back again a second time and not have enough sleep. And that's what, that's what he wanted. So you can start getting all, I'm not saying which one, I'm not saying who. Yeah, but rhymes with, I'm not saying, and I love them as much as the others, just not as much that night. So I, I'm not saying who, but um, I started to feel angry and anxious and upset and, and uh, disappointed and all these legitimate, we would say legitimate emotions, but they would have robbed that interaction and created friction with that child and made it hard to fall asleep that night and ruin the rest of the week. Instead, you take a couple deep breaths and you say, buddy, you're the guy teaching the Amunashir. Just, uh, you gotta practice what you preach. So, what's the answer? It's from Hashem. Everything Hashem does is for a reason. Now, that doesn't mean a child shouldn't be more careful in the future. It doesn't mean it shouldn't come out of her. It doesn't mean that, man, that, doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. But it means that whatever consequences there are, whatever file you have to claim you have to file, whatever you have to do, you do it with a smile because it was what meant to be. Because if Hashem didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't have happened. 
If he wanted her to see that curb, if he wanted it to not have an impact on the car, if he wanted it to not be hanging down, if he wanted all those other things, then it wouldn't have happened. If it happened, it happened for a reason. So we learn and we are accountable and we correct our mistakes. But while we do it, we're not brought down, which is exactly what Ravitch has been telling us. The Diyat Sahara works because it tries to knock us down. It tries to bring us down. It tries to convince us we're unworthy, we're incapable. It tries to get us angry or anxious. It tries to get us to lose our cool or rage. It tries to get us to react in ways which will sabotage our own success. So the people around us are not acting the way we want, the way we wish. They're not making the decisions that conform with what we dream for them. We do the best we can to convince them. We try to be as compelling and persuade them. We do the best that we can to react to them with thoughtfulness and strategically. But we can't rob us of our happiness and it can't make us not realize and believe that everything's for a reason. It's all from above, it's all from Hashem. You could get rejected 150 times by 150 jobs, by 150 prospective dates, by 150 attempts to persuade someone. You could keep right getting rejected but it's all for a reason. We can't let it bring us down. Smile, and we'll find that we can be happy in the meantime. I have us on page Kuf Nun Tes 159. We've talked about when we get despondent and despair, hopeless because of the past, when we get brought down by the past. I failed, I came up short, I was incomplete, I didn't fulfill my mission, I got angry at my children, I reacted to my spouse, I didn't uh, achieve what I set out to do in whatever area of healthy living, in my healthy lifestyle, or in my spiritual pursuit. So the Yetzirah doesn't look at how far we went. The Yetzirah looks at how short we came, and that's what it focuses on, getting us to give up on going forward. And we have to overcome that voice, celebrate the small successes. We talked about the micro mitzvahs and the micro successes. We have to celebrate the small victories. And sometimes the Yetzirah, this evil inclination, this voice of self-sabotage, sometimes its methodology, the way it works, is it tries to get us to be hopeless and to despair, to be sad, not about the past, not because we came up short or failed, but about Ha'asid, the future. It doesn't get us to focus on where we came up short or went wrong in the past. It gets us to give up hope in the future. You have no hope. What kind of future? Why bother? Why try? Why set this goal? Why have that conversation? Why revisit that relationship? Who? It's never going to work. Why are you trying to overcome that urge? At a meeting recently with a group of guys who are fighting certain instinct and impulsiveness and compulsive behavior. So the whole methodology of the Sahara works is, okay, so you don't look at that website, you didn't look at that app, you didn't watch that thing now, but we all know you're going to again sometime. So you had the strength to turn the channel. You had the strength to X out. You had the strength to turn it off right now. But why bother? Because even if you turn it off right now, so tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, you're gonna be back here. It's gonna happen again. So why bother? Who are you fooling? Who are you kidding? Why give up the pleasure of this moment? And that can be true when we're trying to practice Shmira Sinayim, but we're trying to guard our eyes and only look at images which will elevate. It can be true when it comes to whatever other goal that we've set, whether it's health and wellness, eating and exercise, whether it's patience and love for others, whether it's generosity, whatever, whatever area, whether it's kavana, whether it's our davening or the brachas that we make. Yitzhara works and he says, come on, 
you can't keep this up forever. You had a great Shemona Esrei. Sitter snippets, we're only up, almost up to Shemona Esrei. We're going to do a big blitz, a big campaign. Change your Amida one bracha at a time. We're almost up to the Amida. I'm very excited for it for myself. Could use a little boost. So what's going to happen? You're about to daven. You take your three steps forward and you say, this is it. This is my Amida. I'm going to nail it. I'm going to have kavan. I'm going to concentrate for all 19 brachas. I got it. This is my Shemona Esrei. And then the Yitzhara kicks in and says, who are you kidding? Never happened, never will happen. And even if it happens now, it's not going to happen tomorrow. You can't keep this up, so don't bother now. That's the methodology of the Yitzhara. Why are you trying to have kavana? Why are you bothering for the first brach of Shemona Esrei? You know your mind is going to wander by the third or fourth. You know you'll be in the supermarket or the gym or you'll be thinking about your children or your in-laws, or you'll be thinking about the work you have to do or the email you have to respond to. You know by the third bracha of Shemona Esrei, your mind is going to be taking you to what probably are your best thoughts of the whole day, but you're going to be somewhere else other than where you're meant to be. I keep a little, I have little note cards I keep in my pocket. And I have a pen. And whenever a thought comes to me throughout the day or at night, it doesn't work in the shower, but during davening, I write it down. It could be in the middle of Shemona Esrei, and I have a great idea for the shir, for the drusha, or I want to email or check in on someone, or I have a thought about something, I stop, I write it down, I get it out of my head so now I can concentrate. Because otherwise it takes up, your brain now is competing. Your brain is conflicted. Your brain is trying to, and you know, the older you get and the more white you have in your beard, the harder it is to hold those memories. So you had a thought, and if you don't do something about it in that moment, it could be gone forever. So carry something so you can capture that thought, and then you can get back to what you're doing. I do it, it may seem rude, I could be in the middle of a conversation with someone. I say, hold on one second, I write it down. So I wanna concentrate fully on our conversation, this thought, because what we were talking about, if you're trying to be nice, or in general, this thought came to my head, I don't want it to be distracting me. And I don't wanna be fighting to hold on to it while I'm talking to you. So let me capture it, let me write it down, and now I don't have to worry about it, it's there. So now I can fully be present in whatever else I'm meant to be doing, whether it's talking to someone or talking to him. Anyway, that's just an aside, and it is a suggestion. So how does the Yitzhara work? Yitzhara says, ah, you can't keep this up. So you took upon yourself not to speak Lashon Hara. You know, everyone chooses that hour, I take the 3 a.m. slot. <laughs> not to speak Lashon Hara. Everyone chooses whatever they're working on. So are you really going to keep that up? So why bother now? You got some juicy, good stuff, and you want to tell it to someone. So you're fighting it. No, don't, don't, don't give in to that urge. Don't say that thing. But then your Yetzirah kicks in and says, you're just going to tell them later. You're just going to call them tomorrow. You can't keep this up, so you might as well do it now. And you know what the answer, the antidote is? You know what our power is? Our power is to be in the present. Our power is to be in the present. Don't get stuck in the past. It will debilitate and paralyze you. It'll beat you up and knock you down. It'll make you feel inadequate. It'll make you feel invisible. And don't get lost in the future. It's not yet here. Don't live some predetermined life, some fatalistic life. Don't get lost in your dreams and aspirations. They're not yet here. And don't get lost in your stresses and anxieties and worries. It's not yet here. All you have is the present. All there is is today. All there is is right now. All there is is this moment. That is the only moment that matters because that's all we have. That's all we have. So many people are living in the past, they forfeit the present. So many people are lost in the future, they forfeit the present. 
But the present is the only dimension we can live in. It's the only one we can impact. It's the only one that we have. And it's the way we overcome that Yetzirah. Yetzirah, I don't care about yesterday. We came up with a good slogan. We're working on our notebooks. I don't care about yesterday. Yesterday was yesterday. So yeah, I got to take my father's car to the shop, to the Honda dealership, and I got to replace the bumper, and maybe I got to babysit a little bit to pay it off. Okay, that was yesterday, but I don't care about yesterday. So I wasn't paying attention. It wasn't my best self. It wasn't my best moment. So what? It was yesterday. Moda'ani, thank you, Hashem, for a new day. I've turned the page. It's a blank page. It's a new page. All I have is today. How am I going to fill my page today? How am I going to fill my page? What will it say today? What it said yesterday, it's yesterday. And what am I going to look at tomorrow's page? I'm not up to tomorrow yet. I can't influence tomorrow. I can't impact tomorrow. All we have is today. That is the answer. That is the antidote. Our power is to live in the present. That is how we overcome the Yetzirah. Yetzirah says you're a gornish because of yesterday. Or you'll be a gornish tomorrow. So give up on today. And our answer is, are you crazy? I don't know what will be tomorrow. And you know what about yesterday? But I have right now. I have today. It says in the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu Hashem says to us, Hayom in Today, if you listen to my voice. Our moments are disconnected from one another. They don't have to overlap and intersect. We're allowed to draw a line between them and say, that wasn't my most shining moment. You know when I just flew off the handle? You know when I just raged when I walked into the house because the toys were all over the floor and dinner wasn't ready yet and I had in a bad mood because I had a bad day and you know I flipped out because I walked in and the kid didn't say hello to me? That wasn't my best self. So everyone, let's try this again. We're going to take it from the top. I'm going to walk out the front door. I'm coming back in. And take it from the top. Ah, the fact that I just blew my lid a minute ago, I just, okay, so what? What does that have to do with right now? Every moment is a new moment. Every hour is a new hour. Every day is a new day. And they don't have to be connected to create a narrative of what my life is. Our power is to be in the present. Our power is to embrace the right now, the here and now, and to overcome that Yetzirah that tries to get me stuck yesterday and the Yetzirah that tries to get me lost in tomorrow and to say, I'm not listening to either of you because all I'm living in is right now. My power is in the present. You know what? Tomorrow I may fail again. And yesterday I fell on my face. But if right now I can stand strong, it's all worth it. If right now I have a shining moment, if right now I live a better or best self, if right now I make the right choice, do you know what that does to the cosmos? Do you know what that does to the universe? Do you know what that does to the world? We discussed on Behind the Bima last week with Rabbi Mark Wilds, my good friend, the founder of MG Manhattan Jewish Experience. We discussed how you define success in outreach in Kiruv. It's a fascinating discussion. What's the value you put on outreach? What's the cost of acquiring a new observant Jew? It's an interesting question. What's the value? What's the cost? What's worth it? And how do you define success? So he invoked, you know, what's the Chabad definition based on the Balatanya? Got a flurry of emails from Shlichem who weighed in. It was a fascinating discussion. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the conversation. It was fascinating. If you didn't listen, it's worth listening. And uh, so one of, the, one of the possibilities, based on the Tanya, and based on very mystical thinking, is that every mitzvah is of inestimable value. Every mitzvah we do moves the cosmos, impacts the universe. You get a Jew to light candles? You get a Jew to put on tefillin? If they never did anything before and they never do anything after, but that moment of that mitzvah that they did, you have no idea what it does for this world. 
You don't know what it does for their soul. You don't know, you don't know the merit that it brings down and what it does for this world. We tend to forget that because we live in this world where it's invisible. It's invisible. So we don't see, we can't connect those dots. We don't understand the impact, but we believe it does. The butterfly, what Rabbi Sachs, all of Hashem called the butterfly effect of virtue. There's a butterfly effect in physics that a butterfly flaps its wings in Tunisia and there's a hurricane in South Florida. In the world of physics, they found that correlation. A butterfly flaps its wings halfway around the world and what it sets in motion through flapping its wings can lead to a tsunami in Thailand. In the world of physics, they found that correlation. So Rabbi Sachs took that expression, that term, and coined the expression, the butterfly effect of virtue. We have no idea when we flap our, our mitzvah wings, the little mitzvah you did, the little mitzvah you did to help another person, to care about, to notice another person, the little mitzvah you did to Hashem. So you concentrate on your first brach of the day. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu, Melech Olam we have to make 100 brachas a day, but we caffeinate with kavana. At least you get the first. That wasn't my first cup of coffee. First brach of the day. But that first brach of the day, caffeinate with kavana. Sha'akol varo. So what if the other 99, my mind is elsewhere? What if I don't even say the other 99 because I forget to make a bracha? But so what? I just flapped my wings for this sha'akol. Who knows what that means or what that will do? Who knows what it means or does for the people I care about? In their merit, I make this bracha. Who knows what it does for this world or this universe? Who knows what it does for my soul or my progeny? Who knows if it means that my next kid won't knock off a fender in the merit of the shahakol. By the way, I'm not at all bitter about this. Just to be, just to be clear. Yeah, Bailey is correct. The most important thing is she was safe. Baruch Hashem. That is the most important thing. So, so who knows the butterfly effect of virtue, of the mitzvahs that we do, of its inestimable. So that's the answer to the Yitzhahara. Yitzhara says, clown, you fool, you oizvarf. Yesterday were you a failure, tomorrow you're going to be a failure. Yesterday you couldn't get it done, tomorrow you're not going to get it done. How many times are you going to set out to achieve that goal and come up so short you barely came out of the starting gate? And you know what our answer is? It matters for this one. Who cares? We, we talked about that on the, on the podcast. My uh, fact checker corrected me. I said it was a jellyfish, but it was a starfish. You want to know the story of the young boy walking on the beach there are thousands, millions of starfish that had washed up on the beach and he's throwing back in the ocean and an old man comes up to him and he says, young man, little boy, look around. Look how many starfish are all over this beach. Do you really think it makes a difference what you're doing? You know what he did? He picked up the next starfish, he threw it in and he said, it made a difference to that one. It made a difference to that one. Same thing. You neglected doing mitzvahs your whole life. You haven't had kavana once on one bracha and you'll never do a mitzvah again. You can't make a, you're not going to have kavana one more but you had kavana on this bracha and made a difference on this one. This dollar that you gave, this kindness that you showed, this generosity that you exhibited, this mitzvah that you did with kavana, who knows? That's the answer and the antidote to the Yitzhahara. Our power is by living in the present. Bless you. Shein Kesha, there is no connection between one moment and another. Kach that our longing, our goal for the future, einon gas la'avod ha'shav. What is to... What does tomorrow have to do with today? Now, tomorrow has an enormous amount to do with today. I'm speaking many times over Shavuos. I can't wait till Shavuos to think about what I'm going to say. I have to be thinking all week. What do I need to get done when? Which day? Which shir? Which drasha? Which Devar Torah? When does it all need to get done? How will it all get done? And then you could breathe easy. 
And how do you schedule all of them? So tomorrow, of course, is very important for today. If you're planning a simcha, if you have something that you need to get done, you can't just wake up that day. Shavuos is a three-day yontif. That's six meals. That's how many meals? At least six meals. Many more meals. Obviously, I'm not the one preparing the meals. That's a lot of meals. You can't wake up Friday afternoon and say, oh, Shavuos, three-day yontif. What should we eat? We'll have Cheerios for uh, lunch, Fruity Pebbles for dinner, and peanut butter and bread for, for lunch tomorrow. You can't wake up. It's too late. So tomorrow has an impact only in as much as, what does it inform? The Today, the present, right now. I have to think about tomorrow, but I'm not thinking about tomorrow because I'm worried about tomorrow. In other words, I can't spend today, Yom HaMiuchas, this Wednesday, I can't think about today, what if I don't give a good cheer on Friday night, on Shabbos, on Sunday, what if it doesn't go well, what if I don't say the right thing, what if nobody shows up, what if the source sheets don't, uh, what am I worrying about tomorrow? That'll take away from what my job is today. That'll take away from my opportunity and privilege today. That takes away from the gift of today. I forfeit today if I'm fearful of tomorrow. All I have and the only place I can live, the only dimension I live in is today, is this moment. My power is by being in the present. So I think about the past because I learn from it for the present. And I consider the future because I prepare for it in the present. But the only dimension I live in or care about is the present. And so you got to check yourself. We often have to keep checking ourselves and evaluating ourselves and looking in the virtual mirror of ourselves and saying, am I, am I in the past in a productive way? Or am I in the past because I'm perseverating? Am I thinking about the future in a productive way that's informing my present? Or am I lost in my future in a way which is making me anxious and worried and fearful and upset and hurting my present? I have to constantly, all day, be checking ourselves because that's the voice of the Sahara. And the voice of the Sahara, this is what we learned last time, the reason the voice of the Sahara is effective is it says, what do you mean? You're a righteous Jew. Of course you have to take stock of the past. You have to take inventory. That makes you righteous. So Richard Meyer pointed out, no, it doesn't. Cheshman HaNefesh makes you righteous if thinking about the past makes you better in the present. But if thinking about the past only makes you beat yourself up for the past, only makes you filled with regret for the past, only makes you knock yourself down for the past, only makes you feel guilt and shame for the past, then that's the Yetzirah. That's not the Yetzirah. Yetzirah involves the past only in as much as it informs the present. But if the Yetzirah if the, if the inclination about the past is knocking you down and beating you up and knocking you over and making you feel bad and filling you with regret and shame and guilt, then it's the Yetzer Hara, not the Yetzer Atov. The Yetzer Hara says, it just confuses you and it blends everything together, the past, the present, the future. It's wrong. Our mission and our mandate, every moment should be filled with clinging to and connecting with Hashem. Hashem, Ribbon Shalom, what do you want me to be doing in this moment? All that matters is this moment. What am I meant to be doing now? What's next in my life? That's it. What will bring me closer to you? What will help me better connect to your brand? What will make me more successful in promoting your name? Baruch Avinu HaRachaman. Baruch the Almighty is our loving Father. Every moment of every day, he makes a new opening for us to connect to him. Every moment of every day of our lives is an invitation from Hashem. Draw a line in the card, turn the page, start again. 
So what, last, so what just now was not your shining moment? So what? You looked at the wrong thing, you said the wrong thing, you ate the wrong thing. So what? So what? Learn from it and change it. All we have is right now, this moment. He loves us, he's a loving father. Poseach b'chorega, the door is always open. As parents, no matter how disappointed we may be in a child, no matter how much tension or friction they may be there, is the door not always open? Is the line of communication not always open? Is there not an open invitation? It's okay, let's start again. Come back. Let's try this from the top. And Kodesh Baruch Hu was our Vinu Avarachem and our loving Father, the same is true. So what we fell? So what we were distanced? So what we came up short? So what? Our power is by living in the present, returning to the present. And when we succeed in overcoming, and we successfully live one moment the way we're meant to, we're mindful. If we can live with mindfulness, if we can live in this present, we will see the way the world opens up for us more and more and more. Every inclination, every instinct, every positive gesture bid for connection, it means the world to Hashem. The butterfly effect, not only of our action, but even of our intent. Even of our intent the butterfly effect of our mindfulness and our intent. Why is he invoking this here of Echemeyer? This chapter is called Simcha. We're learning all about happiness and joy. We're learning that happiness is a decision, not an emotion. Happiness is by connecting with the Shlemus of Hashem. So why is he talking about this here? Why is he talking about this now? The answer is, this is the formula for happiness. If you want to live Besimcha, be in the present. If you're stuck in the past, how are you happy? The past is filled for everybody because there is no perfect person. There is no perfect person. Ain't Adam, there's no one on the earth, Asher, lo who doesn't make mistakes. There is no perfect person. So the more we think about the past, the more we're depleted and robbed of our happiness in the present. Because you will be filled with shame. There are things we're ashamed of, mistakes we've made, things that we sh could, should be ashamed of. There's regret. Regret is an overwhelmingly painful emotion. If only I'd made a different decision, what would the trajectory be today? What would the outcome, how would it be different? There are people financially who made investments or who bought things, who they look back. I'm not talking about Jackie Mason, every Jew has a building in Manhattan they could have owned. I'm talking about there are people who created financial ruin for themselves and they're stuck in regret for the poor decision they made. There are people in a relationship, they made a decision, a moment, a moment of temptation, and they destroyed their life. A moment of anger or rage, and they hurt someone around them. There's so much regret if we're stuck in the past. And regret is debilitating, it's depleting, it's paralyzing. Regret knocks us down. Guilt, not the healthy guilt where we acknowledge wrongdoing so we can learn from it and move on, but the unhealthy Jewish guilt that just drags us down and makes us feel bad and thinks that we're meant to be miserable all the time and feel unworthy. These are horrific, no, who said these are good qualities? These are not virtues. These are not virtues even if they've seeped into our Jewish culture. They're terrible and they're undermining and sabotaging our success. They're all part of the past. Get out, break out, because it's causing us to forfeit our present. And the same is true with future. We're so stuck in being anxious and worried about the future.
We're so stuck in being worried about things we can't control and we can't change because they're not here yet. And all this time what we're giving up is our happiness in the present. People who can't sleep and they're grinding their teeth at night and they can't eat and they're living on edge and they have such tension and they're overreacting to people and they have no simcha sachayim. There's no joy for life because they're living with regret and shame about the past. They're living with fear and anxiety about the future. So there's no joy or happiness in the present. And then it becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy. Because if you have no simcha sachayim, who wants to be around you? So you have such regret about the past and fear about the future and you want to get married, but you find yourself so single because you have no simcha sachayim. You know what's an incredibly attractive quality? You know what's really attractive? Happiness. Happiness is really attractive. You know what's really unattractive? Guilt, shame, misery, regret, worry, anxiety, fear. I don't know, that repels me away. That's not attractive. It's attractive when you're happy. You have simcha sachayim. When you stay calm and carry on. When you let go and let God. When every other bumper sticker I could tell you right now, every other cliche. That's what's, that's what's attractive. So we can change the course of our reality by living in the present and choosing. Not being a victim or a martyr of our circumstance, but choosing and making the choice of who we are and how we want to live. That simcha is the source of success. Simcha sachayim, the joy for life. Have a simcha sachayim. Have a default of happiness, of joy, of a smile. But how could you be happy? Remember I've said you're only as happy as your least happy child. Someone sent me an email, you shouldn't say that. It makes your least happy child feel bad that you're not happy. Maybe true, maybe that's a sensitivity, maybe it's an oversensitivity, I don't know. I think it makes your child feel good that if they're not happy, you're not happy. I don't know if it makes them feel bad, I think it makes them feel good. So I don't feel bad about it, I just decided. I don't feel bad about it. But anyway, but anyway, no, the point is that you could be happy. So your child is unhappy or struggling, but show your child, we're gonna do everything we can, we're gonna take all the action that we can, but you know what, we're not gonna let it rob us of our happiness. So we're dealing with whatever circumstance. There are people dealing with incredibly challenging, difficult, overwhelming, unfair circumstances. Good. You do everything you can to change it. And then the things that you can't change about it, you don't let rob you of your happiness. A simcha sachayim, a joy for life. It's the best medicine to overcome whatever crisis one's facing. It gives us the strength and the energy and the fortitude and the resilience that we will need to overcome whatever it is that we're confronting and whatever it is that's coming our way. So Simcha, the reason Ravit Shemayar is talking all about this here, the present as opposed to the past and the future, is because the best way to be able to live Besimcha is to live in the present. Be Besimcha by being in the present. If you're in the past or the future, it's very hard to be Besimcha. To be Besimcha is to be in the present. All I have is right now. That's all I have is the here and now. All I have is this moment. In this moment, I'm making the choice to be happy, and now I have whatever it takes to overcome whatever is going to come my way. Wishing everyone a great yontif. Tonight, first, we go behind the bima with Rabbi Beryl Wine, the great Rav, the great author, the great historian. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, those who are here physically are invited to remain, starting a new uh, Tehillim, a short Tehillim gathering right after the Amunashir Wednesday mornings for Esti Maskot, Esther Tilabasari Al Tsipora. Among all Chola Yisrael, all those who are ill should have a speedy, a painless, and a full Rafua Shlema. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy, but stay happy. <laughs>